From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Brambley Moyer talks to us about how a trusting relationship with the head coach and the athletes takes time and a lot of listening to build up. How her appreciation of her place of employment has allowed for a career that spans nearly two decades at one school and how she's able to evolve as a coach and become a senior leader within the entire athletics department and it helps her lead her school into the future. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that a step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more tra- uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And, and uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk. 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Angie Brambley-Moyer. She's currently the Associate Head Coach for Strength and Conditioning at Princeton University, and she's also had stops at Temple University and the University of, of Pittsburgh. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about your role at Princeton? Sure. Um, well, first, my first and foremost, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, so um, I currently have five teams that I'm responsible for. Um, I just came off having six teams, but our staff has grown now. So um, I transitioned one of my teams to some new staff. Um, But yeah, like I, right now I I train all women's sports. Now I gave up my one uh, men's sport, but I've trained women's volleyball, women's soccer, women's basketball, women's lacrosse and softball. Hmm. And you clearly have, experience in our field and how do you manage that many teams because I, I know even with five you still have some rosters that are pretty big so how do you go about managing that and being a leader amongst different different cultures sure um i mean it's a learning experience just like you said you mentioned different cultures um you know, we, you have some similar cultures amongst teams and you have different cultures amongst teams. And it's just having the adaptability, I would say. Um, I mean, just like going to any new, if you were, uh, you want to kind of observe and learn the culture, talk to the coaches, you know, read and talk to the athletes and, and kind of see what gets them going. Um, and I think like observing is a huge part of it. Um, and then, you know, creating a little bit of your own culture um, within their culture. I mean, you know, with some teams, I have a weight room culture and then there is a locker room culture and then there's a, a competition culture um, just within that same team. Um, but it really just comes from, you know, taking the time to learn and understand the coaches, understand the athletes. And um, it's not easy. I mean, it, it really, sometimes when you're, um, you have, you do have some, you know, 
transition from one team to the next, which makes things easier. Um, but all teams are different. I mean, you can't have, you know, I, I'm not training women's across like I'm training softball, right? I mean, I train my athletes to be athletes, number one, for sure. But uh, everything is just, you know, a little bit different, you know, how they approach their games and everything. So um, it really comes from just observing and, and learning. No, absolutely. And that's some great advice there. And, you know, you've been able to have been at Princeton for, you know, 17 or almost 18 years now. How have you navigated that relationship with the head sports coach? Cause I'm sure you've had different teams and they've changed multiple times throughout your time there. How important is that relationship with the sports coach? I think it's very important. Um, I was actually just talking to a young strength coach yesterday, um, young in the field, you know, new to a coaching staff, that type of thing. And, and my advice really was to get to know the coach and learn to speak the coach's language. Um, I mean, you don't want to have a separation between, you know, what I heard was, well, this is what I want to get done. And this is what the coach wants to get done. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Um, this is really about the team and it's the coach's team. Now, obviously like safety comes into it, right? Like if you have a coach that has a little bit of knowledge and they're like, or you have a coach who like, well, this is what I did when I played. I mean, those are kind of, they, those can be red flags or roadblocks. Um, but it really comes down to like, Hey, listen, this is their team. And I, I know with, um, there are some strength and conditioning coaches that can be, I guess, on the chopping block, if you will, you know, you know, and have a contract just like a sport coach, but not all of us. So, you know, this coach was, you know, talking to me about the fact that that's a, you know, it was a brand new staff because the former staff got removed. And I'm like, Hey, listen, like this is their livelihood. So, I mean, there is going to be urgency with the coaches and they're going to want to have input, especially if they don't know you, you know, or have they seen things that have worked with them in the past? So um, it really comes down to getting to know the coach. Um, and that takes time. Like, I mean, it takes time. It takes personality. It takes listening. It takes, you know, communication, like verbal communication, you know, body language, all the things. Um, it doesn't just happen like this. And, and I, like, I, when I was a young strength conditioning coach, you know, I had my, my own personality struggles, you know, and it takes time to like kind of grow into who you are and having confidence. But, um, you know, I, I, I really, my advice was like, learn who the coach is and learn to speak their language and get to know them and get to know what their background is. And, and maybe it might be talking to, you know, other strength conditioning coaches from that coaches former background, just to kind of get a little input. I mean, while we all know universities are different, you're not going to do everything exactly the same as another university. You can at least get some input about the coach, but you know, you need to do your due diligence on that and not just be like, I'm frustrated. This coach wants me to do this. And while I understand that, I mean, work with them, you know, work with them on that because really all that does is build trust between you and the coach. Um, and, you know, I, you definitely want to build trust between you and the athletes as well. And you never want to, whether you agree with the coach or not, I mean, you always want to kind of just, you know, portray yourself as like, Hey, listen, like, you know, convincing the athletes that it, it everything, all decisions are made for the, them, you know, for their, your good and that you want to be on the same page with the coach. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, a strength and condition, not all the time, but, you know, in our position, it definitely can be a time when athletes may come to you before they come to the coach. And I think it is our job to learn how to be kind of, you know, that person that says, you know, Hey, listen, like everything is for your greater good. And then, you know, maybe go to a coach and say, Hey, listen, like, you know, I'm kind of hearing these things and like, I want, I want it to work. Right. So I'm on, your team and I want this to work. And obviously we all want to win. So let's just go with that. When I say win, I don't mean win at all costs. Like I say, I, we want to win. We want to be successful. We want to see positive progress. Um, we all, we do also know that that's not always linear, but we want to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. Um, but, you know, learning how to communicate is really, really like an important thing. And I'm still learning this, like having been at this at Princeton for almost 18 years now, I'm diving into communication and I'm diving into that learning how to just speak better and, and be more 
clear when I talk, whether it be to a coach or to an athlete or to administrator and learning how to do that. And it's not always subjective, like learning that, you know, communication is such an important part of what we do. And to just say, well, that's a soft scale and can't really measure it objectively. Well, there are people out there that say you can now. And I, and I don't have, you know, the okay, how, so please don't ask me that question, but I'm just kind of learning, you know, there is a process to this and there is a way to kind of subject, like objectively measure communication and what buy-in actually really is. And as a strength coach, you're like, yeah, I got buy-in. Well, you know what? And these aren't my words. So, you know, don't, if, you know, somebody I heard this from here is this podcast, like it, it really, like there's a difference between, you know, communication and compliance or buy-in and compliance, you know? So do you really have buy-in or do you have compliance? And those are the types of things that I'm diving into now. And because I have a staff teaching them because nobody taught me this when I was first coming into the field. Right. So um, I think that like, you know, just learning how to be a better communicator um, really, really, really does go a long way. No, I, I think that's some great advice. And I do like the difference between buying and compliance. Like, what do you really have there on your hands? And, you know, I, I, I know what it's like to be a young strength coach as well. And and I have a good relationship with almost all of my sports coaches. But if you butt heads with one, it can really make the job a lot more difficult than it needs to be. So I think that's that's some great advice for all those coaches. And, you know, your time at Princeton, you know, 17, almost 18 years is a long time for one collegiate coach to be able to stay at one university. What do you contribute your staying power to? Yeah. Um, I've had, I love Princeton, (laughs) you know, and if you know anything about this year and the Ivy league in general is that we had no seasons and very difficult, you know? Um, and I had offers within there and I just believe that Princeton's a special place and I'm not afraid to train other athletes. I'm not afraid to move. Um, but I really love Princeton and I really see the difference that I make there. And I, and that, you know, just the place in general is just a magical place in general. And like I said, we went through a lot of difficulties this year, you know, even, you know, different than other Ivies and, um, it, it's just a great place to be. And I, you know, I've built relationships with coaches, so that's certainly helpful. I mean, you talk about, you know, developing relationship with coach and, you know, there are going to be a common time when like, you know, my women's lacrosse coach that has been there since I've been there, you know, is going to retire, you know, and then I'm like, wow, I have been working with this person all this time. And now I'm, you know, I'm adapting to a new coach, but that's part of what we do. Right. But, um, it just, the love for the place in general. I, I really enjoy the Ivies and this can be frustrating too. Like I, I'm not going to lie here. Like I enjoy the fact that we are not a, a win at all cost place and that, you know, for even the coaches now, I, and I speak for myself in the sense where like we've had, you know, coaches like come and go and I could remain there. Right. It wasn't, you know, and it wasn't like, well, you know, a coach coming in and saying, and this is how how it's been since I've been there. I'm not saying this will never change, but, you know, a coach coming in and saying, well, this is my person and I want them to come in and train this team, you know, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, um, you know, I, I like that, you know, academics are as important as athletics and, you know, to the administration of the actual university, they would say that academics comes first, right? So it always the challenge of our, you know, athletics department in general to, you know, fight the good fight for athletics and and to get, you know, to allow athletes to, you know, take exams at a different time because they're on the road and things like that. Very, very challenging situation in the Ivies than it is for other conferences. I'm not saying other conferences are not, you know, important, don't have their own academic challenges, but Ivies are tough, you know? And I mean, we have kids that are, taking exams the morning with a proctor in a hotel room the morning of their NCAA competition later that day, because that exam has to happen on that day, you know? So it 
really is a challenging academic type of um, university, but, you know, I just, I, I do love that balance. I love that balance that like, you know, while co- every coach has urgency and every coach wants to win, I haven't met a coach that doesn't want to win going through all these challenges and knowing the challenges that our AD have on, on coaches calls, you know, coaches are still saying to our AD, but what about this? But what about this? Like we need this for recruiting. Like our coaches want to win. They want to compete. Like, and that's why they're, they're no different than any other university. Um, but they also don't have like as much, I would say as much the breathing of down the neck to like win, 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 win. And if you don't, you're out, you know, type of thing. And, you know, with that gives us a little bit more breathing room to say, Hey, let's really like develop these kids. Like let's take the time because we don't, don't have summer school now at Princeton. We don't have summer school. Um, so the most <laughs> critical time to train an athlete would be the summertime because you can train them there. And I'm like, we don't have summer one or summer two. So you don't even have them for half the summer. Um, we don't get them, you know, like they spend uh, as much time away from us as they do with us. So like, we need that time. Like we don't get time for that urgency. So there's just a little bit more balance that I enjoy about the Ivy league saying, Hey, listen, like we still want to win. We still want to compete. We're relevant in division one athletics across the country, you know, but it's not a win at all cost type of situation. And I really enjoy that about the university. Um, And personally speaking, the university has given me the opportunity to lead And I, you know, as I've grown in my career, I've said, okay, do I want to be, you know, Angie strength and conditioning coach only? And this, you know, we're, you know, diving into the X and O's, which is always important to do, or do I want to have the opportunity to lead beyond the X's and O's and lead beyond, you know, coaching athletes. And, and I've gotten that opportunity at Princeton and it's me and I, and I enjoy it. The hardest thing I've ever done was, not coaching athletes, but actually leading staff, you know, and growing staff of which I consider my staff, like my peers, like I'm no better than them. I mean, I might have more time under my belt, but I learn from them as much as they may learn from me. Like what I'm teaching them is mainly like, you know, how to navigate the university and probably most likely how to become a professional. But when it comes to like the X's and O's and what we do, like, you know, they teach me as much as I teach them, um, you know, and in a while I help them navigate like around, you know, difficult coaching conversations and things like that. Um, they're my peers and that's a tough thing to do to lead your peers, you know, and I, I that's a, it. And that was been pretty much in the last like three and a half years, probably my most challenging job I think I've ever had in this profession. Um, but it's very, very rewarding. And I've been really like diving into the leadership aspect of things. And I think as you, you know, whether you have a staff or not, as you grow in this field, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a director or associate head or just an assistant strength coach or whatever, like you will eventually grow in the field if you stay in it. And what you find is that like the leadership aspect of it, the culture, what you bring to the table on the culture aspect and the leadership aspect is more than just the X's and O's, right? It's more than just, you know, you know, diving into like polar heart rate or, you know, VBT or whatever. It's like how you're actually like relating to these athletes and convincing them or relating to the coaches and and creating, you know, almost a family like atmosphere. So um, I think that definitely, but going back to your original question and the staying power at Princeton, it it really is like, I love my teams. I love my coaches, but I love the university, um, even with all the challenges that we've gone on through this year. Uh, But I also like just love leading, you know, future leaders. Mm. No, that's great. And there is a lot to unpack there. And I want to make sure we get to that because it was some really, really great stuff. So the first one was you had mentioned you've been diving into you know leadership. And I think that's great that Princeton's allowing you to be a leadership role amongst the staff, which you said they're your peers. And I think that's very empowering to know like they respect you enough to just, you know, listen and take your advice. But you know, what is uh diving into leadership look like to you? What are you what are you turning to or what are you looking at that's helping you develop that? Right, sure. Um I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I um, just 
just different ones too. Like I'm not, not one podcast and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to take that. And I'm going to apply that. It's usually like, I listen to different leadership podcasts and, you know, met, you know, led by men and women. Um, and like, you kind of start hearing the same trends and that's kind of the things that I, you know, want to start applying and in, in building a team, but organizational leadership, I've like, I'm become fascinated with it. And there's an author, his name is um, Patrick Lencioni. And, He's written some books and I like he has this book called The Ideal Team Player. And when I read it, I'm a more of a podcast listener than I am an actual like book reader. But when I read this book, like I was fascinated by it. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then you start thinking about, you know, where like, number one, yourself. Like you need to apply it to yourself. Where do you fit into this ideal team player? And then you know, just start like thinking about the staff and be like, hmm, this is probably why they do that. Mm -hmm, this is probably why they do that. And then he also has like a productivity assessment and, and not a behavioral assessment, not like the disc assessment, um, more of like what kind of like brings you joy and in productivity and what is like, like a working frustration. So just kind of doing different assessments and, and learning number one, like I said, about myself first to then say, okay, I think this would apply to the staff. And um, so this summer we're actually going to, you know, take some of these assessments and, and kind of learn each other. I mean, and then you, you talk about like, there, there's a book called radical candor and, and, you know, learning how to, you know, talk to people, you know, amongst your staff, but it only works if you have trust and amongst your staff. And it's not just me telling them, it's like, okay, like it's this strength coach talking to this strength coach. It's not them coming to me and saying, you know, this person did this or this person did that. Not that I have that. It's just, you should be able to communicate with coach one. Like, like if I'm coach one, you should be able to communicate with me the same way you communicate with coach three. Like, and that only comes with trust and building like that organization, like having that organizational development. Um, and I want to have that. Like, I believe like as in strength and conditioning coaches, like just kind of the range of experience that we have on my particular staff. I mean, you know, I'm a little biased here, but I do believe we have the dream team, you know, but they still, they, as coaches, they're the dream team, but I want us to develop as like truly as a staff. Um, so we can be honest and trustworthy with everybody and give each other feedback. And everybody looks at feedback as a gift and not as, you know, being criticized as saying, Hey, they're here to help me. They're not just, they're not telling me this because they didn't like what I did. I mean, they may not have, but they're doing it because they're giving me this feedback because they're here to help, you know? Um, and, you know, we have a lot of new staff. I mean, I hired four people in a month and a half. <laughs> so that was very challenging, but um, I believe I got the best. And, um, but it happened so quickly and we really had, and it was like, hey, here we go, like hit the ground running and we started training athletes and never really, we're still like waiting for that opportunity, which is now gonna come this summer to like meet as a staff and develop as a staff. Um, and that's important. I think building trust is the number one thing. Like you just have to build trust amongst the staff and communication. Um, and, and I don't think we have it that we're not there yet. Like we don't have it perfect yet. These are all like hopes and dreams that I have, but, um, I don't, I think there's more than just reading a book and, you know, feeling energized, you know, about reading this book, like, Oh, this is great. But if you're not actually applying it, you know, it's just like anything, it, like taking the time to actually apply what you're reading, I think is an important thing. And I do actually want to apply these things that I've learned. Um, but I mean, I just like, continue to listen and learn and, um, be open to things. Like I, I, the best, everyone has an ego and, um, but you need to learn how to dive through the, your own personal ego to say, Hey, listen, you know, I've done this and, you know, being vulnerable is important as well. And so it's like having the vulnerability to like, you know, neglect your ego a little bit, you know, and stop protecting yourself with that ego and say, okay, like I'm going to be transparent here. I've made these same mistakes and, and just being able to say as a leader, being able to say, I'm sorry to the staff, you know, and not making excuses for yourself as to like, you know, why this happened, why that happened. You know, uh, I might not always be sorry, but, you know, having that vulnerability amongst the staff is important. Well, it's as important, it's important to have it amongst athletes. It's important to have it amongst coaches. So, um, but going back to what I said, I think that like, 
you know, listening and reading and learning and going to seminars is all important, but having like actionable steps is the most important. And my actionable steps is is to dive into organizational leadership um, and organizational development this summer. Um, just to make, and it's an ongoing process. It's like every, anything, right? Like you can't just say like, I learned this and then it stops. It's like constant, you know, reevaluating and saying, Hey, what works and what doesn't work. I mean, the one thing that works in one situation doesn't work in another, but being able to have those conversations, um, I think is really important. So, like I said, we're not there yet, but we're going to get there. And I just think, you know, putting action to the things that you're learning is important. No, that, that's great. And I'm a big fan of the Radical Candor book. And and like you said, it starts out with trust. Like you you just, you got to make sure you guys are all there. And I think it's a, a good thing that leadership plays such a big role in, in your, on your staff. And that's pretty incredible that you'll be able to hire four new coaches in, in one month. And I can imagine, I mean, it's stressful. I know when you're trying to hire some, just one person, I imagine putting four people on your staff took a lot of, looking at resumes and everything, but, you know, what were you looking for when you were hiring a staff or, uh, you know, for the younger coaches, not necessarily younger in age, but the coaches that are just working their way up, you know, if they were listening to this and they have a lot of respect for your career, what were you looking for when you're hiring your staff and something that they can maybe work on building for their future? Um, you know, I really enjoyed, so all of our interviews were done via zoom and the, our our hires didn't step foot on campus until their first day on the job so we didn't have the you know take them around campus and show them the facilities they had to trust us right uh, that was interesting but i re- what i really liked is as you know usually as we go through these phone interviews right and you're talking to someone on the phone and I never liked that. I never liked that I couldn't see somebody. So I actually enjoyed doing the first phase interviews via Zoom because I got to see how they reacted to things. I got to see their body language. And that was really important to me. Um, And then, like, so it was just myself and one of my assistants that did these quote unquote phone interviews, but they're via Zoom. So it was like the first phase of the interview. So, you know, we start with 10 people and you whittle them down to like five. And um, it just kind of, their poise, like their confidence um, and their poise. And, you know, we had some specific questions that, you know, I thought were important, you know, not just, you know, the, the, you know, who are your mentors and who do you, you know, who do you look up to? Like, like while we have those questions, um, I asked, I also asked them about like themselves and like, who, who are you outside of, you know, the weight room type of thing? Like I wanted to kind of get to know the full person. Um, but, you know, for a young person on an interview, I think that, um, that I, I don't think, I know, I shouldn't say I think. I know that, I mean, I watched how they talk to us. Like I watched how their energy, I, uh, the language that they use, um, you know, just kind of to see, you know, their passion, we, you know, their passion for the field, but also to see like how well-rounded they were outside of the field. Um, I, I think that's important as well, because I mean, if you have no a young, young strength and conditioning coaches have a tendency to, you know, be like, I read strength and conditioning books and that's all I do. And we're like, okay, name something that you've read that's not, or you do that has nothing to do with strength and conditioning. And it stumped some people. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you know, so be well-rounded, <laughs> you know, I think that that's important too, to like have a life. Yes. And reading everything you can as a young trade conditioning coach in our field is very, very important, but also like being well-rounded is important as well, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. And then like, once we moved on to the next, you know, the next phase of interviews, that was with a larger, you know, committee. So it wasn't just myself and it was our whole staff. It was our director of performance. It was athletic medicine. It was like our associate um, athletic director. So then it was just kind of like, and like sport coaches that that particular person may have been working with. And it really came down to like the personality. It, It came down to, I mean, yes, we asked them to write a program and, you know, we kind of gave them some parameters and we asked it to send it to us. So like we could have them talk us through the program um, type of thing and like their philosophy on like, you know, their training, but um, they had to sell everybody on like who they actually were. And we actually ranked them based on everybody's um, 
you know, input. So we took everybody's, while ultimately the decision was up to myself, like I listened to what every single person had to say and we got stumped. Like we had really, really, really great candidates. And um, I I think this was like the, and I've learned from the past, like, and, and anybody that, you know, makes a hire and then is said, you know what, you know, like it didn't work out. <laughs> you kind of like, you should be constantly like, you know, writing things down of like what you allowed go on in like a former interview and saying, you know what, this is what I'm going to do differently in this. And like, as I move up and, you know, do things different, you know, as I hire different staff o- over time type of thing. But um, as for a young training and conditioning coach, like, you know, obviously like you know the field, but you know, when we look at your resume, you know, we can see what your experience is. You know, um, if you know somebody that knows us, probably a good thing to like put a good word in for you. Um, that would be helpful, you know, to kind of get your foot in the door type of thing. Um, and, you know, have energy, you know, because it, I mean, obviously you want it to be authentic, like, and, and, you know, a lot of strength and I'm not a yeller and screamer type of strength coach either. I mean, granted, I can raise my voice when I need to, but you have like a lot of strength coaches that come on interviews and they're like, I'm not a yeller or a screamer. And I'm like, okay, like, but how do you bring energy? You know, like I don't, I'm not a yeller or a screamer either, you know, but like, how do you bring energy, you know? And, um, because not only do I want to see that the coaches want to see it as well, you know? So, um, you know, know who you are as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, and you know, be authentic and make sure that everything on your resume is truthful. So um, I, I definitely think that, you know, representing yourself is a, a very important thing to do, especially in our field, because, you know, we know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. <laughs> and um, it just, you know, we can, we, we can dig, you know, um, but so like always be like truthful in your resume. We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. Each of their treadmills is designed with the revolutionary slat belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shock to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. No, absolutely. And, that, and that's some great advice. And it's sounds like you had a, a really good process there to help you get all those coaches on your staff. And I think that's good. And could you talk a little bit more? I know you briefly mentioned it previously, but what it's like to work with an Ivy League athlete. So you you, so you talked a little bit about the, the process of, you know, having the proctors there to make sure they take the test the day of, of a competition. But what is it like working with that type of athlete? And it's different than just about any other collegiate athlete. Right. Well, the Ivy league doesn't allow us to have training tables. So we can have a quote unquote fueling station. Um, we're limited in that area. So, you know, we don't have as much control over our athletes as other division one schools. I would say we don't have what, where there's no scholarships in the Ivy League. So um, we're not holding that over any kids head either. You know, they, they're there for the purely like the love of the game and wanting to compete, you know? And, um, but like even control wise, I mean, we have athletes that like 
would want a training table. We have athletes that would want to get these um, amenities that other division one schools get. We just can't. Um, So it's tough and academics are tough. I mean, we are very front loaded and end loaded just our schedule schedule wise. So, you know, we have athletes that are early in the morning, which isn't ideal, right? Because like recovery is important. So early morning things aren't great. And then we have late afternoon and, and we don't have a lot of middle of the day stuff. That's when we take care of our administration because the academic schedule takes precedent. I mean, we might have a floater that has to come in here and there to like make up some sort of training, but really team training does not go on in the middle of the afternoon because we work around the academic schedule. The academic schedule does not work around us. Um, but the, the issue is like we have athletes coming down facilities twice a day. So they're coming down in the morning to lift and then they're coming down later in the afternoon to like practice. They get out of practice. They got to eat. They're going to study. Like we have kids that pull all nighters. I mean, you know, um, I've never pulled an all nighter, <laughs> you know, I, I can't, you know, and I don't know many of my friends and that were athletes that have, but we have athletes that legitimately pull all nighters and still come the training, you know, the next morning. And I mean, you could say, Oh, they procrastinated time management, but yeah, like any, you know, 18 to 20 year old or 23 year old kid, you know, but also like just academically, I mean, we have kids that really excel academically and also want to excel in athlete in athletics. So, um, but they're driven. They're very, very, very driven. Um, they're perfectionists. So, um, you know, and that's sometimes like a hard, like obstacle to, you know, break through, like being a perfectionist, like, okay, you can try. And even if you don't succeed on this attempt, doesn't mean it's over type of deal. Right. Um, uh, but I mean, they're other than that, they're like any other athlete. They're very like just well-rounded um, and competitive. I mean, working with the, it's not really the athlete that's different. Um, I mean, we might not have as much depth as other division one schools, but I mean, we work with, you know, national international level athletes. I mean, we have athletes in the Olympics. We have athletes that are in the NFL, play pro sports, play soccer, everything. Um, so, so the athlete isn't what's different. It's really what the like allows us to provide. And, you know, we do the best we can, um, you know, to just give them that, like as much as we possibly can, like a well-rounded experience, like, you know, you know, um, sports psychology is very, very up and coming. I mean, I think that's up and coming in most universities, but like, that's a need at our university. Um, and you know, nutrition, you know, constantly like talking to athletes about, you know, nutrition and while we can't provide as much as we would like, you know, helping them make the right choices um, and just teaching them how to like and learn how to schedule and be important. And, and, you know, obviously like manage their social lives. I mean, they're college athletes, they're college kids, you know, so um, like managing, like, obviously we want them to have a social life, but, you know, you know, safely managing that while playing athletics is an important thing too. So I I really wouldn't say that there's much difference. It's just, you know, just working around what, you know, the academics is requiring of them is a tough thing to do. Definitely. No, that's, that's, that's good to know. And I had no idea you guys were in a lot of, you know, training tables or anything else, but I think you guys are making it work really well. Like you said, at high level for some pretty incredible scholar athletes and i think that's a great thing and could you talk a little bit about how important like connection and like relationships are in our profession not necessarily like the x's and o's because the x's and o's will come and like you said you know we expect you to read all the books we expect you to do that when you're younger but when it goes beyond all of that how important is that connection Connections, everything. Action trumps communication and compliance. <laughs> you know, um, like true connection, authentic connection, right? I mean, you're always going to get, you know, you have like the first year that comes in and, you know, they're complying because this is what they're told to do, right? So you might not have that connection connection with the first year and you're hoping the connections that you've built, if you've been in a place like a long time, like I have, I, I always hope that the connections that I've built with the returners always trickles down to the first years and, and allows them to, you know, say, okay, like, you know, Angie seems like 
tough and stern on the outside, but like really she's a teddy bear on the inside, which is absolutely true. But, you know, I have a level of expectation and they don't know, you know, like it is my job to get them to reach their potential, potential that they don't even know that they have, right? That's what we do. We help them reach this potential. That's what every coach does. So, you know, I, I don't know where I was really going with that, but the point is, is that like, it may seem tough to a first year than it is, you know, to um, a returner. And I'm hoping that culture that I've built over the years, you know, helps like, you know, build those connections earlier on as we have new athletes coming onto campus. Um, but connections with, you know, administration connections with coaching, I mean, true authentic connections, you know, um, you know, I was just in my annual review with my supervisor and he was like, I remember you telling me that you were like, you know, my work life is separate than, you know, my home life and I'm not letting anybody. And he's like, but he's like, I don't think that helped you. I wasn't going to like make you do anything different. Like it had to come from you, but he's like, you could see the change and you're growing when you started like connecting, you know, not like I'm bringing my personal life to campus, but letting people in on who I am, you know, letting know about my life and me, not just being Angie, the strength and conditioning coach, but being like, this is Angie, the person and, and getting to truly like learn who, you know, um, Coach Saylor is an, as a person and, you know, RAD, Molly Marcus Mon, like, you know, getting to know them, like outside of us, just always talking about athletics is a really important thing to do. Um, and that takes time. Like everything takes time. Like it's always a, there's no cut and dry. There's no black and white. There's just so much gray area. Um, and a lot of times our answers are, it depends, right. <laughs> you know, um, when I'm telling an athlete on the spot, like, this is what I need you to do for whatever reason, depends on what it is and whether they're listening to me or not, like the connection might not be as important as in I need compliance here. Right. But overall, they need to know that it's for like their benefit, the team's benefit. And, and that's what I'm saying that actually takes the time. But um, and, and building connections outside of your own university is important as well. Like other strength coaches, being able to talk to other strength and conditioning coaches. Um, I understand that time is always a factor, you know, but getting on like, you know, these group message systems um, that, you know, like we have as women's strength and conditioning coaches, you know, and, and putting yourself out there to help, you know, like I said, I just talked to somebody from a different university yesterday and like just putting yourself out there to have conversations and, you know, learn from others is really helpful. I mean, just good to get different perspective. Also, obviously, like if you were to ever leave your current location, you've built other relationships. So that's always helpful. I mean, anybody that's been in our field knows that it, a lot of times it's who you know, who you know, who you know. And, and it, we are still such a small field. Like we are a field that said like, Something that's special about our field is to say that I can go to my supervisor and say, Jason, you know, I'm looking at this other position and, and this is why I want to go into this other position without me having to be secretive about it and going behind anybody's back and applying for something else that I may be interested in. He'd be like, you know what? I think this would be a great move for you. You know, like have that kind of support. Now, not I know that that doesn't happen all the time within our field, but I think it happens more often than not is what I'm saying. Like, I think a lot of directors like to see their people like move on to like greater things. And um, that's important as well. You know, so I think that having those connections really does help with that. Um, so, you know, I hope I answered your question there. I know I kind of repeated myself a little bit there, but connection is everything. I mean, really, that's that's the bottom line. No, I think that's it's very important. And especially with you know, when you're starting your career, or when you're building up your career, be very well connected and authentically connected, like you said, with your university, but also try to branch out and get yourself out there. And how would you recommend or what are some advice that you'd give to a, a female strength coach or a woman trying to work and, you know, make a name for herself in this profession? Because it's it's women are definitely a minority in, in our, in our profession and it's definitely changing. And there's a lot of quality, you know, female strength coaches up and coming, but what are some advice for the female strength coach that are working their way up? Yep. Um, be prepared to work hard. I mean, but I could say the same thing to a male strength coach, right? Um, women have 
different challenges. I mean, we are a male dominated field, right? So, and not every woman wants to work with just women's sports, you know, like, you know, and, you know, we don't need to hear, you know, you've never played the sport because there's a lot of male strength coaches that didn't play the sports that they coach. Right. Um, so, but there are some women that want to work with football. You know, there are some women that, you know, are very good with men's basketball and want to work with men's basketball, you know, and they can, it's just knowledge, you know, and connections. So if they are good at those things, then there should be no reason that, you know, otherwise. Um, but, you know, I, I would say build a network, build a network because like, I don't have children, but if that's something that you want, I mean, that, you know, like a lot of women in the past have gotten out of our field. Cause like, I just can't do the hours and have children, but there's a lot of them that do. So, you know, you might be looking at your university saying, I can't do this. How do I do this? Seek help to other women that can do it. Like find the group, come to me. I'll point you in the right direction. I'm good at doing that. Like I have children, but I will point you in the direction of those that do, you know? Um, but like build those, like those groups and those connections to help you along the way. I'm not saying that, you know, you need to stay in the field. Um, but I, I love this field and I know, I knew going in that, you know, it depends on where you work. Right. But you know, that, um, my salary was going to, you know, I was only expecting, I, you know, my expectation of the salary throughout the lifetime of my career, there was a range, you know, and there's a lot of like, you know, um, people that get in this field, and they're like, I'm just not making any money. And they see their friends out there and like technology industry is making a lot. I'm like, that's our field, you know? So, you know, know when you get into it that in college, I'm speaking collegiate strength and conditioning exclusively here. I'm like, it is what it is. You could probably make more money in the private sector, you know, in a lot of places, but I love college strength and conditioning. I love working at a university. It's who I am. I don't want to sell, you know, I like selling myself, but I, I don't have to like, I, that's just selling is not my thing, you know? And I knew that back when I was in college, like I knew I wanted to be like the athletes come to me, you know? And, um, and then like, you know, whether, there was an athlete that, you know, I butted heads with or not, blah, blah. Like I had time to like work on that relationship and not worry about like the bottom dollar, you know, and, and so the private sector wasn't for me, you know, and that I didn't never really enjoyed that. But if you want to hustle, you could probably make more money doing that. You could maybe make more money doing online training business. You know, I love where I'm at. And that's part of the reason that I'm still here, you know, um, and I've like grown as a professional. So I've like gotten into other areas. Like I said, I'm leading a staff. Now I do other things within our athletic department. Like there's other things out there for us, but you know, um, so don't limit yourself. And just like, just because your, your title is like assistant strength and conditioning coach or whatever it is, doesn't mean that's the only thing you can do within athletics, you know? Um, even as a strength and conditioning coach, like you can do that job and do other things and learn and grow as a person and, and not have to get out of the field, but, um, it's not easy, but I just love it. Like I, I can't, there's no magic answer to this is that like, I do exactly what I was born to do. I am my father's daughter and I love athletics. And when I was a young athlete, like I was an A minus athlete, like I had to work really, really hard to be successful. And I enjoyed that challenge. And it did help me. Like I, I saw the benefit of working hard and achieving a goal. Um, and I feel like I'm good at helping athletes do that. And I think that I'm, and so here I am in this field, but it's, it's not easy. Um, it's, it's very rewarding field though. Like we have, Strength and conditioning coaches, master strength and conditioning coaches that have been in the field longer than myself, and they still love what they're doing, you know, um, and there'll be a time and they have children and there could be a time when they, you know, they just retire and, and leave the field and that's okay too. But, um, you know, I, I think that you, we are getting the opportunities to like get our foot in the door and, and do that. Um, I, you know, and we bring, bring unique perspectives and you can talk about that on interview, like, you know, bringing in a different perspective of, you know, um, of who you currently have on staff, like can help this program, you know, and, uh, but like, don't, I, you know, I, I believe that there are a lot of universities out there that are like, you know, 
we're, we're looking for a female. Like we want, you know, we're, we're trying to have, you know, increased diversity in our staff, right? Like that's a thing, you know, definitely like utilize that. Like don't turn away your back on that. Be like, oh, I'm, just, you know, but when you get there, like you want to be, you're trying to be the best. Like, I mean, you're not trying to just be the woman on the staff. Like you, you want to be the best. You want to contribute as much as the rest of everybody else, whoever else is on your staff, you know? Um, so whatever gets your foot in the door, gets your foot in the door. I mean, having like a network gets your foot in the door, right? Because you're a woman may get your foot in the door, but once you're there, like you need to like take that and run with it, you know, and not just kind of exist there, but like contribute. So, you know, you're adding more value to what you said that like, like you said you would in that interview. No, that, that is, is great. And it's good to see that much passion coming from a coach who's even been in as, as long as you have it. It's, it's pretty rare. Cause I know some coaches that are, or they do it just because they've been the weight room person, or they know some coaches are doing it, you know, for other alternative reasons. But I mean, you literally said you were born, you're doing what you were born to do. And I think that's empowering. And I think that's great. And, and you, you heard it here. I mean, if you want to find a group of, of women that you have, have what you're working for, reach out to coach Bramley Moore. Cause she was going to, she's got, the she's got the connection she'll point you in the right direction uh if you could pick up the phone and call angie moyer from 10 years ago what would you tell her build relationships faster create those connections faster um i am not at, i you know uh take the lead in, you know, with administration faster than I did. Um, you know, you, I'm thinking back to the question you asked me for any, this goes for a, a women's strength coach, or you said a young strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, don't wait for your director to say, this is what you need to do to get better. Like, you know, I, like lead your own way. You know, like I'm here and I told this to all my new hires. I'm like, I'm not going to hand you like a manual that says, this is what you need to do to get better. If you want to go and learn, you know, how to do this, I'm here to help you and direct you. I am not learning it for you to then hand feed it to you. You know, if you have a niche that you want to get into as a strength and conditioning coach, like get into it, start it take action. Don't wait back, don't, like seek the, that kind of feedback, you know, um, don't wait for your annual review to, you know, seek feedback, I guess, you know, I worked with my director, like literally from, you know, 10 feet away for 13 years. So we were always constantly talking and I was always constantly getting feedback and I love him, Jason Glitchy, but, you know, you know, but not everybody has that, but I, you know, seek authentic feedback. Like, where do you think that, you know, ask, where do you think you get better in? Ask like, you know, um, it doesn't always have to be your director, ask your peers, you know, like be okay with like hearing that. Um, but also, you know, guide your own way. Like, I don't want to hand feed any of my staff, anything. I hire people that know things that I don't know. I'm great with technology. So I hire people that are great with it because I want to teach me how to do it, you know, or like, I don't hire people that know what I know. I hire people. And this goes back to your interview question. I want to hire people that know things that I don't know and that can bring something to the table. But for a young strength and conditioning coach, and we ask this question on our interviews, what can you bring to the table? Like, and don't say passion because we all have that. That's a given. Strength and conditioning coach needs to have that. You know, we told them to use the word passion, you know, like, what do you have that you can bring to the table, you know? And, um, and if you don't know the answer to that question, then go find something because there's so many, we got like over 230 resumes for four positions, you know, and not enough females, by the way. Um, so ladies get out there and start applying for jobs. Even if you don't think that you are qualified for them because I got not a lot of, you know, very competitive salaries, competitive positions, and not a lot of female candidates. But um, I, you definitely need to want like to bring something to the table. Um, and that's an important thing for any young strength and conditioning coach um, and, and offer that up in your interview. Like, what can you bring to the table? And if don't just, you know, say perspective, but what kind of perspective can you bring that type of thing? Um, but I think my biggest thing was 
relationships. Like I, I, I'm an introverted person. I know you probably don't think that by the way I'm talking right now, but in general, like I'm introverted and I was like, all right, train my athletes to do this, go home, you know? And I like, it took me a really long time to kind of get out of my shell. Um, and once I learned to start, you know, putting myself in those uncomfortable situations with other people outside my, like, you know, my weight room world, that's when I really started to grow. So I think that relationships can go a really, really long way. And I think going back to like one of the earlier things that I was saying is that like communication can be objectively measured. I'm learning how to do it. Um, But so I'm still a work in progress, but I think that, you know, no longer are we going to say like, you know, like how do we measure soft skills? Like they are going to become measurable and they're going to become very, very important. And what we do, because there's so many people out there that are good at the X's and O's, you know? So what else do you have to offer? No, that, that is everything you've been saying so far is awesome and, and great. So what's next for, what's next for you, coach? What's something that's coming up? over the summer or the next year in strength and condition that you're that you kind of been looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to competing. <laughs> we haven't competed <laughs> yeah. in a year. This is the, the, for our summer just started and um, we're supposed to start like our summer on campus training. Hopefully next week we have some obstacle roadblocks with texting and vaccinations and all that. But um you know, I, this is the one summer I'm like, I really want summer to move. <laughs> I want to get to the vault. Like I want to start competing again. So I'm definitely looking forward to that, but I'm excited that to have the time to work with my staff on like this organizational development and for us to like really grow as a staff and to really become like a true family. I mean, I I sold my new hires on family and we really are that, but we are spread out amongst campus and all the things and our demands. And we all have multiple teams, not just like myself. Like we do have 37 varsity sports and now we're going to go back 38 because we're taking on women's rugby in 2022. So we're going to going back up, you know, in number of athletes. So we all have a lot of teams going on at the end of the day, you're just like, I'm spent, I'm going home, blah, blah, but like working on like developing like our staff as a family. So like we are all truly connected um, and just, you know, living under like our, you know, Princeton Tiger performance culture and just really like living that culture for our athletes. So, um, you know, I think walk the walk is a very important thing to do. And I, you know, I still train and I still like, maybe not like I did, you know, 15 years ago, but like, I still train six days a week. And and I I just, I just love walking the walk and, um, you know, but not just physically, but, you know, I, I want, I'm trying to teach my athletes to be leaders. I want my staff to be good leaders. And I want like us to be like, have a culture of like the importance of leadership and, um, and just working on ourselves. I mean, that's really what I'm looking forward to this summer and getting back competition. Heck yeah. We'll all be looking forward to that one for sure. And what's the best way our listeners could reach out? Or I know you guys have the, the tiger performance. What are some, uh, you know, either your social media or, or best way our listeners could reach out to you if they have any follow-up questions or need to ask for, you know, help on getting any, on any of those text messaging groups or anything else that you got? Sure. Um, well, my Instagram is strength girl. Um, I'm on strength. Instagram, Facebook, I think I'm Strength Girl as well, or Angie Brambley Moyer, Twitter, I'm Strength Girl. Um, not as much on Twitter. I'm not great on that. Um, you know, I'm not like on social media a whole, whole lot, but that's a good way to get a hold of me. My email at Princeton is brambley at princeton.edu. Um, so it's super easy to find us if you go to our website, like we're there under PTP, Princeton Tiger Performance. You can find me there. Um, pretty much our information is anywhere. So, you know, don't hesitate to like send me an email or like reach out. Um and, you know, I'll get back to you. Like I always make it a point to get back. And if I takes me more than two weeks, reach out again. Cause I probably, you know, when you read that text message or, you know, and you're like, I read it and you can't on a text message, you like, you can't like say, I didn't read this yet. And then you forgot about it. And then you're like, Oh, I never got back to that person. So, you know, once like the little notification sign goes off, I may forget. So if I don't get back to you, please don't like just bump it up. Say, Hey, I emailed you a couple of weeks ago, bump it up. It's not that I'm ignoring you, but I might read something like I'm going to get back. And sometimes I lose track. 
Yeah, no problem. And, you know, I wanted to say thank you for coming on the podcast, Coach. You are awesome. Everything that you've said so far, I mean, is has been great. And I think our listeners are going to take a lot, a lot of great information from this. So thank you for this and, and good luck this upcoming year. We are all excited to see the Ivy League get back in competition. And, I, and I'm sure it's going to be something great. I appreciate that. Thank you and good luck to you as well. Appreciate it. Thank you. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.